Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode nine on our study on uh, Richard Foster's The Celebration of Discipline. Tommy Bridges, thank you for joining us once again. Good morning, John. Thank you. It would not be the same without you, and I really appreciate uh, you joining us for this. Um, We're uh, in this section of the book that concentrates on the inward disciplines and now the outward disciplines. We finished the inward disciplines and now we're in the outward disciplines. And we come to the very last discipline of uh, service. And um, Tommy, tell me your thoughts on this chapter. As I read this chapter, John, I I thought about uh, next week and what we celebrate next week. It's Thanksgiving. And to me, I have learned over the course of my life that Every day is a Thanksgiving. We should be thankful every day. And I think service is certainly one of those characters or characteristics of being thankful because Jesus calls us to service. And when you read uh, the accounts in Mark and, and Matthew about Jesus interacting with the disciples, especially about the washing of their feet, Right. At, remember at the Passover? Yeah. Uh, when in, in ancient Israel, sandals were, were their shoes, and everybody's feet were, was dirty. Not a very pleasant term to talk about, no. but that's the fact of life in those days. And, and the deal was, when you entered someone's home, the servant would wash your feet. Well, guess what? Jesus taught the disciples a very, very good lesson. He washed their feet. And you remember, Peter was just upset with the idea of the master washing his feet. And he goes on to say that whoever wants to be first must be last. He turned the tables on the pecking order. And he emphasized that no matter what your status in life is, no matter who you are, it doesn't make any difference because we are called to be servants. He was a servant, and we are to emulate Christ. That's our mission in life as we go on this journey of of sanctification is to emulate Christ. You know, one of the things I love about that John 13 passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and specifically, I'm so glad that you brought up Peter, because for many of us, we overshadow God's kingdom with our own kingdom and our own passions. And Jesus was, this was so fundamental, so important. It was a crux of, of uh, the kingdom of God that Peter would receive Jesus washing his feet. In fact, when Peter refused, Jesus said to him, unless you let me do this, you have no part of me. And then the pendulum swings all the way to the other side. Peter, Peter says, well, okay, Jesus, not just my feet, then wash my whole body. I mean, it was, it was not a gray area. It was service or selfishness. There was no middle ground. It didn't depend on who was the recipient of the service. Um, it was so fundamental a part of the ministry of Jesus. And that's a lesson for me today. Absolutely. And Foster goes on to uh, account that in last session we talked about submission. And to him, the cross is a sign of submission. The towel is a sign of service. 
And I think in our culture, as I just mentioned, Jesus turned the tables on service. And in our modern society, you know, it's the call to watch out for number one, no matter what. And he goes on to say that, and I love this, he say, and I might just add that if you're driven by the need to watch out for number one, God help you because no one will. And that's something that we need to think about in our culture. And I, I'm, I'm drawn to, I just thought about this when we were talking about service. You know, meals on wheels. Yeah. I know my wife, Kathy, and Sonny Middlebrooks would join together and, and deliver meals on wheels. And I can remember every time they would do that, Kathy would come home. She said, I met the the neatest little lady that's all alone, and I just sat there and talked to her. That service, that's going beyond what we normally do in our everyday lives. And I know Sonny, in talking to Sonny about this, he loved Meals on Wheels. He loved to do that. And so did Kathy. And she got a blessing from talking to this lady. And I remember at Christmas time, we would go by this lady's house and we would take a little present. It might be a flower. It might be right. a card or whatever. But it was a blessing to that lady. And unfortunately, she died not too long ago. And Kathy went to the funeral. So I put myself in that little old lady's place. And don't you know, she just looked forward to that visit. She lived all alone. Nobody cared. And this one person extended the humility to go and take the time out of her day to sit and talk to her, to just to listen to her. You know, when Jesus was talking about um, the kingdom of heaven and being the good shepherd, and uh, early on in John's gospel, uh, he tells a story of a, um, and now I believe this is in, in Luke's gospel, Luke 15, and, and he's telling the story of uh, how a shepherd um, left the 99 to go to one, to find that one. And uh, certainly this is the calling of us all today as children of God. Um, this woman that you're referring to, she was the one. She was the individual um, who needed that reminder of God's love and God's grace. And and that's so counterintuitive. I mean, we the world pushes us and shapes us to go after the 99, to go after the, uh, our kingdom, to go after our aspirations. And, and this is so counterintuitive. And, and it's not anything new. The disciples, James and John, their mother comes to Jesus one day, one day and asks, hey, can I ask you a question? She, Jesus says, okay, what? When your kingdom comes, will you let one of my sons sit on your left and one on the right? I mean, think about the conversation with the other 10 disciples about these two, that their mother came and asked Jesus for this priority, this exaltation of her sons at the kingdom. But setting that aside, you just that was the mentality of the kingdom of God. What am I going to get out of this? What's right. in it for me? And when we look at service or servant leadership, when we look at those topics from that perspective, it casts a very dark shadow on our perceived outcome. Absolutely. 
John, it's uh, very important that we recognize the difference between self-righteous service and true service. And self-righteous service is, is a human effort instead of the, the really the divine relationship with God. Right. And it goes on to the self-righteous services. I want to make a big deal out of this. I want, to, I want the light to shine on me. Look what I am doing. This is the problem with self-righteous service as opposed to a true service where we don't care. We do the small things and we do the large things. And the spotlight is not on us. Remember last week when we talked about the manipulator? Absolutely. Remember that? That, yes. that the person who has this distorted view of submission um, tries to manipulate, has on the outward uh, side of his life what people see is one who is submissive. But inside, the submission is only to get people to start getting in his line or her line so that the subtle tricks are to get people to submit to his own idea and his or her own way. And we do, um, we do this too, where acts of mercy are acts of service. We do it with an intention of, I like to have people in my debt, people to owe me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not service. I mean, you know, Christ, his submission, his service, it was to the cross, but he lived a cross life, a cross life. Exactly. And one of the things that Foster focuses on in this chapter on service is humility. We don't come to the quest of service in an attitude of arrogance and pride. We don't need the light to shine on us. And, and the more we exercise the true service, as Christ taught us to do, then we slowly see that pride and that arrogance slipping away. Just think of the times, and I think of the Boy Scouts, and do a good deed every day. And I remember when I was a scout, it was just remember to help an old lady across the street. You know, I never will forget that. And, and that's what it is, extending ourselves to help others without any reward at the end of the day. We don't need a reward. The reward is the service that we perform. And don't you really feel good when you do something good for somebody else without any expectation of something in return? One of the things that I always, I have a, a difficult time with is hospitality. We love to have people over, but it's not the performance it's not the presentation. It's just the gathering and listening and having a community of either neighbors or friends or outsiders just to come over and sit and talk. We don't have to have a presentation. That's just listening to other people. And the service is being done. Sure. I mean, the discipline of service. And, and I think about how it's received. I mean, so many times if someone does an act of service for you or myself, we want to balance the scales. We want to repay that so that we, that, you know, 
we feel uneasy. There's a need for humility to even receive an act of service, someone living, uh, living this, this out in our midst. I remember in seminary, um, we, we came to a place where Tommy, we were running out of funds to pay for seminary. And, um, I remember my dad sitting down uh, with me and he said, your mother and I would like to help you with your last semester of seminary. And I said, no, oh, dad, no, I mean, I, I can't do that. I'm, I have my own family and I, I've got to pull my own myself up by my own bootstraps. And uh, I really appreciate it. He says, no, 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 John, just let us, let us help you. I said, dad, I, I could never repay this back. And he said, John, don't steal away the gift and the joy of giving. I've never forgotten that. How many times that we would refuse on the receiving end of, a, uh, of an act of service that we have to even the balance because we don't want to be in debt to anybody. Someone invites us over for dinner. Well, we got to pull out our calendars. When are we oh, going to yeah. invite them back over to our house so we can reciprocate? We can have the balance. We don't want to be imbalanced. We don't want to owe anybody. And, and we steal away from that person the joy of service. Exactly. And, you know, I think in our society today, too, when we're invited to go somewhere or to for dinner or something like that, it's just like you said, what do I need to take? What do I need to do? You don't need to do anything. You've been invited. You know, it's okay to take a, a gift or thank you or something like that. But, again, we don't need a scoreboard to develop a humility and service to other people. Look what I did. That's not service. I was interested in in some other reading that Foster suggested we do is in Philippians, Paul tells us, again, we come back to Paul. He tells us, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for number one. Take an interest in others, too. And this is important. Have the same attitude as Christ. Christ is that model yes. that Paul consistently points to. And, you're, and, and you look at every epistle that he authored. How did he start that? I am a bondservant to Christ. And I think even James said that in his, his, his epistle, too, that I'm a, I'm a slave to Christ, but he was a slave to the the continuation of the gospel to the Gentiles and to the world, basically, and that and that's our mission too. And think of Mother Teresa. Just think about what she did and how renowned she is. And I don't think she looked for this this glory and this adoration that she has. Everybody centered around her. This this woman was in the in Calcutta, in the worst part of that city, subjecting herself to all kind of diseases and things like that in service. What a wonderful lady she was. You know, I often find myself being overshadowed by those giants of faith, thinking to myself, you know, man, I could never be like Mother Teresa, or I could never uproot my family and moved into a neighborhood that is poverty stricken or to serve uh, marginalized and 
And so because we start to plan out what the discipline of service looks like in our mind and what it might cost us, we start to push it back. Instead of just taking the next step of obedience, what the next thing that we know that is the right thing to do, instead of just taking one step, before we take that step, we start to think about all the things that need to be done to make that happen and what it will cost us. And we push back time and time and time again. You know, God is not calling everyone to be a Mother Teresa. No. God is not calling everyone to be a martyr. God is not calling everyone to be a missionary. What he is calling everyone to do is to be faithful and obedient. And whatever that might look like, that is not for us to determine. Because as we look in the rearview mirror of our lives, time and time again... What we thought was our worst fear when it came to obedience, and we still stepped out in faith, we look back and say, but that was the most joyous moment of my life. It was transformational of who I am. This is what God gives to us and encourages us to embrace. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Yet on the uh, forefront of it, it is uh, encapsulated with fear and doubt and and reluctance and uh, a stance of defensiveness. But on the back end of it, we look back and we see, man, but God was all the way through there. And there's this unspeakable joy, as First Peter talks about. Yes. You know, throughout these this whole series of uh, podcasts that we've been doing on the disciplines, the bottom line is freedom, freedom from ourselves. And we put ourselves in, in position by exercising these disciplines. And we talked about discipline is the means to the end. Is that we allow God to transform us. And uh, a lot of these, uh, just like service, is focused on number one. But he's telling us we're not number one. He's number one. That's who we should follow. And I read a perspective of a missionary in Ecuador, a martyr, Jim Elliott. I love Jim Elliott. This is what he said. Lord, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to a decision. Let me not be a milestone on a single road, but make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. If you have never heard of Jim Elliott, you can find his his book that was written by his his wife, uh, Elizabeth Elliott. Yeah. I love the ending. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. There's an old hymn, Let Others See Jesus in Me. Think about that every day. Let what I do, let others see Jesus in me. It's kind of a ripple effect. You don't know how many people you might influence by the way you live. And to glorify God, to me, is not something that the spotlight is on me, but is what I do every day. And I'm responsible for what I do every day. It's really a sobering thought. And I think every Christian should take up that cross it's either people see Jesus in us or they see us. They either see 
the liberating freedom of the gospel and the good news, or they see bondage, just another legalistic thing that needs to be done. It could be interpreted that these disciplines are something else to do, and they're not meant to take them all on at once. They're, they're meant to, to be interjected into those moments of self-reflection and our desire to be more Christ-like and our desire to follow in the footsteps of, of Christ and it's not just woven and hung around our, our necks as an, on a necklace or a pendant, but it is this intentional, deliberate, very difficult thing to do when it comes to um, serving others. John, as I mentioned before, uh, obviously Thanksgiving is a national holiday that we celebrate. But I would like to ask, and I've asked myself this question, am I focused on the approval of people or the approval of God? Do I judge the value of serving based on outcomes or I just love to serve without any recognition? Tommy, those are hard questions. Yes, but I think we as Christians have to answer those questions. We can dance around those questions, and we can rationalize those questions. But I think if we're really true to ourselves, and you and Shane both have focused constantly on reflection and time alone to think about who we are, who we really are, take the mask off, peel the onion, look inward. To me, you and Shane have focused on that in a lot of your sermons. We're busy, but we're not that busy that we can't take the time to think of others in need. And as Jesus said, there's no pecking order. There's no status. We don't care who you are, where you come from. You're all accepted. You're all children of God. We need to think about that. We need to think about that at, at Thanksgiving. One of the practical ways, Tommy, that this actually unfolds is no matter where we are in our stage of life, if we were to write a letter to our younger self, what would we tell our younger self? <laughs> you know, time gives us this gift of experience. I was thinking about that this morning. If I was going to write myself a letter to my 16-year-old self or my 10-year-old self or my 23-year-old self, what would I say? And it's maybe that would help us start to focus a little bit on um, how different would that letter be that we would receive from the later us. Yes. What is that we would write to ourselves uh, that we would need to hear now as we would reflect about this a few years down the road. One of the practical things I'd love to leave everybody with is this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the references and uh, for further study that he references, writes a book that is called Life Together. And he has a chapter on service. And when I saw him reference that in his study guide, I went and, and pulled out my book and, and started reading. And one of the things that Dietrich says is that serving others does not have to be this, and this is my interpretation. It seems to me that Dietrich would say, it doesn't have to be this grand plan, this big production. He said, he gives three things really quick that 
kind of point to ways that we can just serve others on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. And, and the first thing he says, listen to others. Just listen. Not thinking about what is going to happen in tomorrow, what's going to be happening tomorrow, or reminiscing about your past, or even what you're going to think about next when someone's talking. Just stop. Just be intentional and listen. This is what God does. This is what Jesus did. There's this active helpfulness that we live into, and and also just uh, forbearing others. They're being patient and carrying each other's burdens and being a sympathetic and empathetic ear and carrying other people's burdens too. I mean, you don't have to sign up at the next soup kitchen or the next uh, big mission event. Maybe it is just listening to others, this act of helpfulness or just bearing each other's soul. These are very uh, piercing to myself because you can't help but ask yourself, where am I lacking in this road to freedom, in this road to becoming more Christ-like, this road to transformation, and to reflect, to, to self-reflect about that. You know, John, as a parting thought, you know, Christ accepts us just as we are. You know, deficiencies, weaknesses, insecurities, just as we are. No strings attached. No strings attached. Our prayer for you is that uh, God would continue to speak life into your days and your moments. That he would give you opportunities to see glimpses of glory and his grace and his mercy all around. So that you become men and women and boys and girls who are the hands and feet to those around us. God bless.